Hello, everybody, and welcome to an episode of This Week in X, presented by Crushing Comics. I'm your host, Crisis with a K, and I'm here with two of my best friends and major X-Men fans from around the world, Fariha and Tyler, and we're here to talk about the X-Men comic books out on the 28th of April, 2021. There were three, Cable number 10, New Mutants number 17, and X-Men Legends number 3. Our discussion of these comics comes with the same warning every time. It's a spoiler warning. We're going to discuss every aspect of these comics, other things happening in the X-Line, other things at Marvel. Pretty much Marvel is fair game, and this is full spoilers territory. We thought for this week, rather than make up our own questions, we would just go with the questions supplied by the actual comic books. Because at the end of New Mutants, Warpath has made some journal entries uh, to the questions that Danny posed to him a couple of issues ago. And those two questions were to write down a compliment he can remember be receiving, and also something that is frustrating him. So in the spirit of that, we are going to answer those same two questions, starting with Tyler. A compliment... Actually, let's go one around on the compliments, and then we'll go one around on the frustrations. Sure. Um, I think <laughs> I think the most common compliment that I got that kind of get me kind of happy is that oh, you don't look like your age. Hmm. <laughs> so so that is always a good thing, and um, you know because I look younger than I actually am, so. All right, Fariha? No further details. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't you always say that you go from like you know really young to like very old? Yeah, so you just like Asians just go like this way and then fall off the cliff. Yeah, <laughs> suddenly we'll start it or uh, like you know start the Zoom and then Tyler will show up like who are you? Yeah, we'll be like who is that seven year old? It's, it's me, Tyler. <laughs> Very excellent. <laughs> oh, like yeah. Um, so one of the ones that um, I kind of like, you know, that made me happy is that uh, people, uh, younger women, uh, kind of told me that you know how I'm very like you know I'm very strong and to the point, and they want to be like me, like younger women engineers at job, and they want to be like me. Um, at the same time, it makes me happy. I'm like, yeah. But then, then it's like, oh, you don't know all the insecurities, though. <laughs> <laughs> so it just a, it's a facade in a mm. lot of ways. <laughs> so, that, so that makes it a little, feels a little um, like, you know, if, or like fake. But at the same time, I'm like, well, as long as if they get some, something out of this. For me, I think it's... I- I've recently a few times received a compliment on my uh, speaking, like people watching the YouTube and the podcast. And it's interesting to me because, you know, I've done clearly a lot of theater, a lot of public speaking, but I have a very public speaking voice that I do. Like even when I'm working with clients, Mm -hmm. I don't sound like this necessarily. I just have a very specific client voice that I do. It has a different speed, a different cadence, because I'm explaining technical things. And so this is one of the first times in a long time that I've been broadcasting or publishing me kind of just doing natural Peter voice, which is much higher, it's much faster. um, And I'm not used to getting complimented on that. So it's kind of like, oh, um, it made me feel good. And also made me feel like, like, I've learned a lot because I've listened to old podcasts that I did back in before they were podcasts back in 2000. And I was not a compelling speaker all on my own back then. And so to think that like some people out there appreciate me carrying on, it, it makes me feel good that I don't have to do like a fake version of it. You know, I don't have to be radio voice, Peter. Hello, everybody. You know, like I don't, I don't have to do that. It's it's compelling all on its own. 
you have to now introduce every podcast with a radio yeah. voice. Hello, over. everybody! It's this week in X, presented by Crushing <laughs> Comics. <laughs> <laughs> and then your echo has to be higher so that you sounds like <laughs> sounds a bit echoey. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We probably should have done frustrations before complaints, but that is the order that Danny offered them in. So this is how we're going to do it. So Tyler, what's a recent frustration of yours? I mean, one of the worst thing that can happen, at least um, in my experience, is that you can get peace and quiet in your own apartment <laughs> because of like noisy neighbors. And because of COVID, um, my neighbors have actually moved out for like close to a year. So I was have I, I mean you were surrounded no by silence. The sounds of silence on all yes. sides. Yes. So no one above me, no one below me, no one to my left, no one to my right. And then recently, the apartments to my left and the apartments downstairs moved in. Um, new tenants, I think. And oh my god. The lieutenant was like noisy from day one. You can hear the bass when he watched TV or 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 or, or listen to music pounding on my walls, and I'm like, nope, this is not gonna work. And yeah, and I mean, but after a couple of complaints and close to about a week of like utter frustration because. They don't start until like 10 p.m. and they don't stop until like 2 a.m. Oh, which is kind of like the worst time to to have that kind of noise um, because you're. I mean, I'm kind of winding down, and you can wind down when you cannot even block off those vibrations. So mm. yeah, so it took about a week before they before they did something, and then nowadays I think. I mean, I knock on wood. I think, I think they are away for the past week or so. So it has been mm. like that silence. Otherwise, sometimes there's a little bit here and there, but not as bad as when they first moved in. Freya, what about a frustration for you? So this is more of a macro level that I always kind of have this frustration is that um, it's, it's like people not like, you know, thinking far ahead. Mm. Or thinking like, you know, mm. more for the future or thinking about now. Like, you know, I think like it's a lot of things that we have seen over the last year or so kind of showed that and brought a lot of things out in the open, um, you know, culturally, nationally and everything. And then the fact that there are still people who are thinking in like this level when, you know, more further thinking and future thinking is needed yeah, that frustrates me. Like, you know, I don't know whether it's because the science-mindedness of it all that really gets, like, you know, that pushes me into that, those thinking, but I'm like, really? Really? So. I think for me, and this has been a theme a couple times recently, so clearly it's something I'm grappling with, is this idea of people who, like, want to recreate cliques and, and bullying as adults. You know, I've, I've spent a lot of time thinking about, like, surviving school and how unhappy I was as a kid. And like a lot of it was because I just don't do that. Like even when I have a friend group, there doesn't tend to be like an in and out of the friend group. I'm kind of just like, we're just friends. We're just doing things here. If you're a kind person, that's really my litmus test. Like I don't really like people who are kind of like mean and sarcastic all the time. I mean, Freya accepted, of course. 
I'm joking. Hey. Just a joke. Because <laughs> <laughs> usually when I say something like that, Fergie gets right in there with like, well, I have yeah. been sarcastic all the time. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and so I kind of like have put a lot of effort into surrounding myself with really like positive people. And, and I think back to my friend group in the States and even folks like you online, like you're kind of just groups of people who just like want to be positive and kind of want the best for other people, even if it's somebody you don't especially like. And it's just so weird to me as an adult to like go out there and encounter people who are trying to recreate like an in club mm-hmm. or who, who are kind of like just like being mean because it's fun to be mean. And there's some like cultures who are into that. It's kind of extends to people who like, yeah. like hearing about the drama of something. I'm like, I just don't care. Like, to me, that reminds me of, of third grade. And I'm like, bless you if that is entertaining to you and you want to live in third grade. But like, and so it's hard. It's frustrating for me because I think I was in a bubble, a, dr- a relatively dramaless bubble when I was in Philadelphia. And now because I've uprooted myself and I'm in a different place and I have different friends and I'm part of more internet communities so I can have like more friendships. It kind of just feels like that impinges on it a lot. And I'm like, oh, it's just so pointless. Why? What is entertaining about that? Well, now we've gotten both of our compliments and our frustrations off our chest and we can go on feeling cleansed into our discussion today. Thanks, Danny Moonstar. (laughs) For cable number 10, Tyler, let's begin with you with our first reactions before we get into the details of the issue. So even though this issue reads um, pretty fast, I think it still packs enough stuff and humor to make me not feel unsatisfied. So um, I think Nodo is still pretty on point in the art department and that last twist was especially sweet mm-hmm. so i give it a 3.75 possums out of five for you, huh? um so last issue when it ended with uh, cable and hope and since then i actually went on and read a lot of cable and hope and i was hoping that there will be more hope in this issue and there wasn't so i was a little disappointed by that but at the same time like tyler said there was a lot of humor and a lot more since we've seen it in sword last week a lot more uh you know advancement of x of swords issues or like you know the that era sorry that saga or whatever you want to call it that it's like kind of getting seeped into other other places so i really enjoyed that um in terms of art i i do in, want to enjoy phil noto's art but i cannot get over how every face looks the same because <laughs> you know that emma looks like blonde natasha romanov so <laughs> that really annoyed me but otherwise i would say i enjoyed it and i'm sad that it's coming to an end it feels like it's coming to an end so, you know, not necessarily, I, I could have done without this issue. I had a very opposite reaction to that. I, I feel the way on this that I feel on like a long running indie series like Saga or, or Birthright that I love where I just want to see this team handle these characters forever. You know, part of the fun of an indie series it's like, you know, you're always going to get the same writer. You're always going to get the same artist. And you really love how it's their characters. You know, you don't want to see anybody else's take on them. And that's kind of how I feel about this right now. Like, I don't want to see anybody other than Dugan write Cable. I really like Dugan's Emma. I love Dugan Scott. And luckily, we're going to get Dugan writing a lot of them because Scott's going to be in his new X-Men book. He is writing Emma and Marauders. But the idea that this could end and, and is ending and the idea that we might lose 
um, young table, it's kind of upsetting to me, as I've said a few times recently. And I love Noto's art. I'm sorry, I'm just an easy mark for it. It's I, I know there's some sameness in the faces. Yeah. But again, because we've had so many issues in a row of him here, I've kind of settled on that this is the Emma face. Even if the nose mm-hmm. is a little bit wrong, even if it looks like his Natasha, when I see this Emma, I'm like, oh, it's Emma. And so I just think I've really settled into like a a, a place that you get to on an uninterrupted run that we don't often get on Marvel and DC no. anymore because we don't get a lot of continuity. Everything's got to shake yeah. constantly. And part of what Krakoa has given to us is the ability to like not shake things up as much and actually let runs be runs. And it's a really I mean, great feeling. It's it's a nice uh, feeling. It's the feeling that I remember from the 90s of liking books where yeah. you could just like a book. I mean, things are escalating and changing here, even if the art team has not changed. Because young cable here has become really fixated that he needs the old guy and his is opens up with he's going to gas xavier to steal cerebro to use it to find the old guy which is kind of weird to me because he's almost definitely not in this time and place but i guess he's going to start bopping around through time and using cerebro and he's stopped by emma who's just out for a night walk in the Krokoan jungle with her flask, as one does. Although clearly she's there to stop Cable, but she gives the appearance that she's just out for a walk with her her flask. And it, it's a fun exchange, and it leads Emma to be like, you know, you have this dad who's like the most professional X-Men there is. Why are you trying to shoulder all of this burden yourself? Which is kind of funny because it's exactly what his dad would do. So, uh, Freya, what did you think about this initial encounter with Emma here in the in the jungles of Krokoa? So, and this is where I was talking about the art and everything. Because the thing is, the way she dresses, I'm like, oh, what is Natasha doing here in Krakoa? Because of the dress and then the face and then everything. Because, you know, Noto also drew, like, um, one of Black Widow's run. So that's where I was, like, I was tripping. I'm tripping out. Oh, then it's like, oh, no, it's it's Emma. Uh, I mean, no, the thing is, isn't he trying to get, like, um, Professor X's uh, Cerebro to raise old cable? That's oh, because he he, uh, he to... already wants it back to raise him. It's not just fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Because I think because and that's one of the reasons I'm like, ooh, is Hope is giving him this idea? No, it wasn't. But you know, but that was the that was the whole point that he was trying to kind of get that. I like the interaction, and you know, I liked that. Um, you know, Emma's just drinking at night out of a flask, which you know, kind of gave a lot. Like you know, t- tells a lot about her. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was fun interaction, but um, I didn't feel the same depth I felt last issue. Hmm. Tyler, hmm. I mean, the um, it is true that sometimes it is easier to talk to an aunt compared to your mm-hmm. own mom, mm-hmm. which which is what I attribute here because he's like Emma is like okay, tell me what's happening, and he's like okay, read my mind. <laughs> Whereas he could have gone to Jean and told Jean the entire thing, but he did not. So um, I thought that was kind of nice and sort of like a nice counterpoint to how Phoebe was calling out to Jean in X-Force instead of, you know, Emma. Mm-hmm. And then, um, do you really think that Emma was there to stop Cable? Yes. Why else would she be walking around in the woods at night? She's spying on Professor X. X. Oh, you think she... She has minions to do that. She doesn't need to... <laughs> She doesn't need to stand in the jungle in her She's white like, pantsuit. <laughs> no, the, 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 only thing, the only thing that was throwing me away from that theory was like she said white. 
Because if she's in her, her black costume, then I was like, oh, she's just spying on Professor X. No, and then we also seen that Professor X takes off the helmet when he's uh, sleeping. So yeah. it's very possible that that's why they were that he was there. Yeah. Um, one thing I do like, though, is like the whole conversation about apocalypse that why apocalypse did it and then mm-hmm. it's like oh in order to make us fit i'm like mm, there's better way <laughs> there's better <laughs> way of doing that i don't buy it well there's what? an interesting line that the x writers have to kind yeah. of tread in referring to past apocalypse stories now because he's like on the Different. he's not only on the island but he's like their friends sort of he's their work colleague Different. now yeah and so yeah. you can't it's not you can't just play this like he was trying to make us evolve now it's like benevolent in some way he was just trying to make you better when he infected you with the techno-organic virus as a baby and you had to be sent to the future to grow up in a dystopia yeah. he was just looking out for you so it's like it did feel a little discordant emma of all people who's usually keeping it real but i feel like emma's version of keeping it real is kind of like it doesn't really matter what his motivation was. This is what we got out of it. That's the way Emma, I feel like, would look at it. And so she's like, look, the thing we got out of it is he he was a whetstone for us to be honed upon. It kind of doesn't matter if he was evil or not, because that's what happened. Mm, and that's like yeah. a very Emma, kind of like, it happened, deal with it approach to life. Well, I thought... Yeah. I thought like um, Fariha would react to another line instead of <laughs> instead of the apocalypse line. The family that you the, come from, the, the great best family. captain of Krakow. Ugh. <laughs> like, you know that, you know my reaction was, Ugh. Yeah. I was about, <laughs> I was like, I wrote there as a, oh, Q, I roll for real. <laughs> like, yeah, no, I genuinely I rolled. I genuinely I rolled when I read them. <laughs> Magic is better. Yeah, but talking about humor, right? That, that beat about Professor X coming out from his tree. And it's like, hello? Yeah. <laughs> and it's called House of X. I yeah, was like, whoa. Is. Yeah. Right, because on the map there's a House of X and a House of M, if I yeah. recall correctly. M. Yeah, yeah. Right. There's House of yeah. X and divorced M, parents living that. next door to each other in two separate row homes. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. but they show they mat- make sure they have matching clothes going to the gala. So, which leads to our next scene. <laughs> well, that does lead us into our next scene, which is a brief one, but it's funny. It's where Cable runs into his dad. And uh, his dad, Cyclops, is getting fitted for the Hellfire Gala. And he mentions that he doesn't need to see the gala design from uh, Jumbo Carnation, which maybe explains the outfit that he wound up with. (laughs) As long as the visor works, and Jumbo Carnation definitely gave him a lot of visor to work with. (laughs) So I think it explains... I love that we're getting story reasons for for the outfit, some of which are good and some of which are not so good, you know? Because he doesn't want to see it as long as there's a lot of visor. Tick. Tech. But um, this launches. <laughs> well, a r- oh, go ahead, Tyler. No, I say like anyone of importance, the tailor goes to him. He doesn't go to the shop. Right. <laughs> so he gets this an happens. Visit. This happens in a summer house because you see the you see the earth, um, the window with the earth. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was funny. And this starts uh, a very classic. Uh, dad versus teenage existential crisis conversation where um, clearly they're talking past each other. It's a very well-worn trope, but they're doing it as Cyclops is like, we can have this conversation on the go because Emma has sent us to London to take care of these two stray Arakans. I had to laugh at that because like Emma's the one who sent him to talk to Cyclops anyway, so it kind of just feels like a, a total setup by Emma. Like, did Emma send the Arakans to London or did, does Emma know they're only going to be honest with each other if they're doing it while fighting? Like, th- this is some real subtle th- th- therapy from uh, Emma on the part of these two guys that she's keeping an eye out on. And so they wind up going to London and, and thrashing some Arakans while they have this 
conflicted conversation. Tyler, what did you think about that? Well, even before that, there's one scene, there's one panel that I kind of really enjoy, which is the one where Jumbo Carnation was saying, oh, um, you know, you, you need to come for a fitting cable or you risk looking a fool. And you look at Cable's face when well, he, he said got the that. fool as the card, right? During X of Swords, yeah, that was his and, card. And his face was like, seriously? I mean, and also uh, already he's, he's sort of like insecure about his own ability. And then, you know, you have to have someone like Jumbo say, oh, you're going to look like a fool. And he's like, huh? So I thought that was Jumbo a great. Jumbo saying that. Yeah, so that was a really great, I think, um, art on that front but um i mean it was fun i mean i i I like to i mean you know after acts of swords when um you know arako came back to this um plane of existence um we barely touched on them besides the rejection of the flowers by you know by (laughs) by iska so um and then so so it's nice to see other um araki's like basically wrecking havoc it's nice to um to um to mention it right like they they are going to have a hard time fitting in um that's for sure i mean they have been at war for like how many hundreds of years um and then um the other thing that i just noticed um nothing to do with the is that cable is wearing a versions of scott's uniform with like different colors and a slightly different stripes here and there, but the general shapes is is almost the same. So I was like, "Oh wow, that's really nice." Um, yeah, but you know, I mean, I I, I enjoy this part. It's, it's it's a nice break. Is and it has a huge pay. I mean, it, it has a very nice payoff at the end. So um, yeah, Freya, what did you think about it? Uh, I. In, I'm enjoying this, uh, like, slowly Araki's are becoming part of the X-Men narrative. Um, you know, so I, to me, when they say that, oh, yeah, these are Arakis that, like, Arakis that are just going there and wrecking havoc, and they're trying to learn the heritage or learn the words and everything. Um, and it's also kind of saying that they went, they went and chose England, which is a country that has been at war forever, you know, or colonizing, or they are also kind of in the same mentality and look where they are now. And they're kind of like, Arakas are coming from kind of like a same high, let's just say. Um, but yeah, I think it was a good, um, like, you know, from, I, I thought the same as like, you know, you that it's like from Emma that, oh, the only way they were going to talk if they're fighting yeah. they are, they're trying to solve a problem. So, you know, I, I thought it was, it was pretty nice. I, there are a couple things about it that stuck out to me. One is that, like, are we to believe these are the first two Iraqans that have taken a road trip? I mean, there's, what, like, mil- millions? Five million of them? Mm-hmm. Some amount of millions? Yeah. And and so clear, and they clearly can come and go if they want to. Even if they haven't planted a flower on Iraqan soil, they can just come to Krakoa and, and go. And so it's kind of, like, makes you really think about, well, how many other ones are out in the world? And, like, this is pretty benign. They just want to drink, right? It all it's almost reminds me of... Uh, Oh, it's in the 180s of X-Men when they get back from Secret Wars and Juggernaut's in the pub and he's in the same yeah. pub as Wolverine. That was, and That's Wolverine. my favorite issue because of the breakup. Yeah, yeah because it breaks you know, up Colossus yeah. and Kitty. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it kind of just reminds a very classic nod, but it also made me think of like, well, where are the other 500-some million 
Arakan. So that stuck out to me. And the other thing that stuck out to me is Noda does a couple of very cute things in art. Just It was an easy fight to follow. I enjoyed it. I liked when they used their powers. The impact was felt not only in the panels, but also in the shape of the panels. When Cyclops fires really hard, the panels go a little bit askew. When Cable gets knocked backwards, the, the panel is crooked and it kind of knocks into the panel underneath of it. People often accuse Noda of being a very static artist. And I was like, yeah, his characters can feel a little static, but mm. he knows what he's doing with layout. And also the fight choreography was very easy to follow for me, yeah. which is a bugbear of mine usually when fights get hard to follow. But I kept coming back to this idea that like Cyclops, you know, has become this disconnected dad who I'm slowly trans transforming to in my actual life, where he thinks the conflict is all about the election. Like, oh, you're worried about getting elected. And it's actually Cable like having this existential crisis of like, no, I'm not even sure I should exist. I don't, e I don't even think there's a, a reason for me to be in this world, which is like such a funny mutant take on like a real teenage conversation where a teenager is like having this existential crisis of like what is the point of it all why should i go get a job and grow up i don't even know what i should be doing with my life and the father's like oh you're running for student council it's just like a, it just really really got me that it's like a very real kind of moment and not just that that's exclusive to dads moms too like people just who are like think they're plugged into their kids and are plugged into the emotional level of their kids but like haven't quite got to the motivational part of it yet which i just thought was really charming i mean if you're talking about like parents completely being out of the loop about kids uh kids life i think asian kids can talk about that in depth <laughs> like, you know even as an adult like you know some of the things that my mom you know she's very invested about me finding a partner and no matter how many different ways i say that that's not necessarily my priorities at this point and she's like you should just go out on date more. I mean, what is COVID even? Just text. You got you kids text all the time. Just text people. Like, <laughs> so yeah. So if you like, you know that that part really like made me laugh when he's like, "Oh, it's about the election." I'm like, "Oh, Cyclops." I feel like all the Arakans that we've seen so far have looked more different. So to me, it yeah. almost reminded me of like the villains that are in Children of the Atom. That's my one knock on Noto here. Like, why did they look so X-Men-y? Like all of the other Arakans, not that everybody's got to have some like exposed flaming heart in their ribcage or whatever, but they've all been pretty distinct design-wise. And these just kind of mm. feel like mutants from extras casting number two. And it didn't <laughs> yeah. really, I, I actually liked, especially the pink ones design, I think was pretty cool, but I just, um, I, I don't know if it really hit the mark for me based on the other Arakan designs that we've seen. Well, m m maybe or maybe just it, dressed to fit in. Yeah, exactly. Wow. That's what I was saying. <laughs> like maybe they're just dressed to fit in. It yeah. says like they went through, they went to a Krakoa. Like, oh, this is how these people dress. Okay. Okay. And, yeah. <laughs> and then they went to the world thinking that that's how everyone in this world dresses. <laughs> that's how that's how I took it. Well, and it ends in an interesting way because Cyclops basically gives this very dad statement at the end as they're having their uh, as they're having their resolution of the conflict, and he says, "Son, over my dead body will we resurrect the old man. His day is done. The future belongs to you." Smash cut to a. A data page, which I actually really appreciated because it's a data page that's kind of catching us up on things the characters cannot possibly know. And I think it would have mm. been drudgerous to get this in little drips all along. I like that it was like, meanwhile, Context. you have to think of what would happen when Cable gets killed that maybe the younger version of himself didn't think through. Cable has contingencies, contingency for his body, contingencies for his artificial safe intelligence, house. contingencies for his safe house. And like young Cable, although he's still Cable, he he has not the decades of experience to yeah. have thought through all these things. And it's a really interesting comment of like, 
young you is not the same as you. Like old cable still had thoughts that young cable didn't. Mm-hmm. And um and it's it's going to create some difficulties both for him and for Strife because Cable kind of anticipated all sorts of possible problems to the extent that at one point Cable's AI and everything assumes that young Cable must have been Strife, which many readers have as well. Although I think it spells mm-hmm. it out pretty definitively in this issue that he is not young Strife. Yeah. He is absolutely, absolutely young Cable. Tyler, what did you think about this with many nods to many 90s issues of X Factor and Cable <laughs> along the way? I mean, I loved it because it's kind of like, you know, you, you can completely skip this part and the issue will still work for you. Right. But this is a really nice nod to fans um, of the 90s comics. And also, you know, like for to people who's like, oh, you know, um, I mean, it, 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 it becomes, um, it, it's trying to differentiate uh, Teen Cable with the original old Cable. Right, so this this clearly differentiates the two. So basically, you know, this data page says that hey, this is a young cable which is not very experienced, and then you know so and then you know compared to this old one who is a lot which is a lot a lot more experienced. Um, yeah, we have been shown that, but here it clearly says that they are two separate people. This one has not grown up to that that person, and as we was as we can see later may not grow up to the same person. So so I, I thought this was quite a nice way of doing that. And if if I did not know that the series is getting cancelled at um, issue 12, I would have thought that, oh, so these things are coming into play um, later on in the run. Say, oh, maybe he, he would discover, um, you know, um, the, um, which was the one, uh, Grey Meekin Station. And uh, and then maybe he has, or maybe that's why he's in, he's on the sword station. He's trying to look for his 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 old old station that is like hidden from from sight or something like that. So I thought that opens up quite a bit of um, things for um, Dugan to play with if we did not know that you know twelve is the last issue. Hmm. Freya, what about you? Did this data page resonate much for you? So is the series getting cancelled or just ending? Well, I mean, it's everybody it's likes to same. make up their own version, yeah. right? Okay. Ending at twelve yeah, okay. is that canceled? I mean, I think it's it seems like there's a a planned end that they're driving to, but then you have to ask the question: Well, if this was selling as much as Batman, would they still end it at twelve, or would they just find a way to like spin the next story into happening in Cable? And you know, we'll never yeah. know. Uh, okay. Um, no, I mean, in terms of like the data page and stuff like that, this is one of the things I appreciate Dugan a lot because even if someone who haven't read all of these things, I still got information out of it. Yeah. You know, I still understood that, hey, this is like to what Peter was saying to kind of differentiate that uh, the old table may not have thought this through. Like, or there's like all these other things that are going on that he's not aware of. And like, it's like a very concise thing. And I'm pretty sure if this was more than 12, this wouldn't be a data page. This would have been a whole issue on its own. So, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. I, I, I mean, I thought that it was, it was pretty like, you know, uh, he, he brought all this history together in a very nice way. 
Well, and it leads us to our traditional final scene with Old Man Cable that we've been getting in almost every issue. And here uh, it reveals something interesting, which is he absolutely has the light of Galador with him, which kind of makes it feel like he's the old version of our young Cable, because Cable's never had this sword before. He's had a psychic spear and all Mm. manner of other weapons, but this sword is very specific to this run of Cable. And it also, for me, really seemed to confirm that he's in limbo, personally. Uh, because I've been reading a lot of comics with Limbo and just like the, the, the demons and the way he wants to talk to the big guy, it kind of reminds me of the lead up to the original Inferno, which of course <laughs> dovetails very well with, but he can't be in present day when Limbo or magic would know because as Tyler just mimed, magic just visited Limbo with Cable in the last issue to ask her captives if they knew where Cable was and, and they said no. So Freya, what did you think about this whole is this old Cable of young Cable? What is the significance of the sword? Where is he? Did you get any new hints from this brief sequence? Other than that, this is the old, like this is the old version of the ta- of table. Like you know, because that's when I'm like, oh, it was him yeah. all along. Yeah, I mean that's the only thing I got out of it. <laughs> so I mean, I, and then I was like, oh, maybe he already have maybe something else. I was like, oh, okay. I'm like Tyler and Peter will tell me. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> what about you? Well, I mean, this this is this definitely confirms that um all the old cable shots that we have seen is the future cable from this young cable. Which, future table. Yeah, so it's the future young future Seems table. Seems to bode well for my love of 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 young table that he's going to remain yeah. around since he grows to this ripe old age. Definitely, and I mean, to add to that, this cable learns the thr- the tricks that you know from the fight that he just had. Playing possum, <laughs> yeah. So, so this this basically just like you know, it's such a nice trick and it's such a you know, it, it's it's a good payoff in a sense, right? Because it's like okay, we are, we are, we have been thinking okay, maybe this is the cable that is not that that has been time traveling somewhere in between, you know, be, before his death, and then we can bring him back or whatever. But no, this is um, table. Which you know, like I'm, Peter said, I mean, I'm happy that he's not going. I'm, I'm calling, yeah, I'm calling it that. You know, one of the X Men arc is going to be about this table, this old table. Mm, Call could it. be. Well, especially it's you know, it's all the the little mini Dugan-verse inside the Hickman exactly. verse, right? Like exactly. he's playing, he's playing with some very specific themes across books here about father and son with Cyclops, and Cyclops wants Cable to join the new team and put himself up for vote. Clearly, that's not going to happen. This ends mm-hmm. right after the gala. It kind of makes you think that you know the solicits are maybe not telling us the whole story quite yet of where yeah. we're going to see Young Table pop up, and so I'm very interested to see what transpires there. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, and then he was- also no, but he he also entered Deadpool. Like, you know, sly way. It's like Deadpool also helped. Well, like, we did say last Duke. last episode, I think, that we, we do fully yeah. expect to see Deadpool pop up I, before I the was, end of the series. Yeah, but I was like, whoa, where's Deadpool? Deadpool actually pops up in another Dugan's title, right? Which is in Savage Avengers. Right. And he just can't again, keep away, even yeah, after so a, <laughs> like a four or five year run on Deadpool. I mean, he's probably my favorite Deadpool writer. It's the best so I'm not one. complaining. You but know, he can't quite be- keep his hands off him. Yeah, and then Deadpool is also about a father-son in a way. We can talk about it in another time. But yeah, so the thing is, like, I'm like, Duganverse. Let's bring it on. For New Mutants 17, let's start off with our first reaction before we get into the details. Tyler, what's your initial reaction on New Mutants 17? I mean, this issue is packed um, as per normal. Ayala's um, issues are always quite packed. And I, I mean, I, I really like it. The art, um, rough 
scene cuts that plague um, Ayala's earlier issues were not present here. And it was such, it was a little, I mean, it was a more smooth free throughout without that weird jump. And, um, and, and, and Ree's arts and colors are, you know, at his usual stand, high standard. It's not, there was, there wasn't a page where it was a wow page, but I thought, you know, everything looks really good, um, as expected from New Mutants, um, even after such a long break. So, I mean, I give this a four potions out of five. Freeha? Um, so, because of this issue, New Mutants is now my number two favorite of all the X-Series after oh. X-Factor. Because this issue pretty much has everything that I have been screaming about, about things that are wrong in Krakoa and how it's kind of slowly manifesting out. And especially Way of X number one was so good that it kind of earned itself like six bad issues. So now, after this, New Mutants have earned itself like you know, five bad issues and two bad quota issues, like Children of Adam issues. Uh, Ayala has earned it. Uh, no, I absolutely loved it. Like, you know, because it has like everything that I have been screaming about and it's kind of very much in line with how new mutants and ch- like, you know, this younger mutant stories usually go in other uh, times. Like it's like a multiple storylines going together and multiple yeah. people you're seeing and, and then it's all happening. And it just, it's perfect. I, I thought that it was amazing. So I mean, for me, it was a 4.8 out of 5. Wow. I'm I'm really, really neutral on this issue. There are a couple of things I enjoyed. There's a couple of things that frustrated me, but I came away with kind of just a like a bland taste in my mouth. Uh, I think just because of this other world thing, and we'll get into it, I just think mm. it was paced weirdly. I don't think the it got us as far as it maybe thinks that it got us in terms of satisfaction and, and closure for readers. And because I'm into what's going on in, in the other plots, especially with the Fruk plot, I kind of just, I kind of just felt like it was weirdly misshapen. And well, I will me- say uh, the final thing I'll just throw on is new Moons all along has been my favorite X title neck and neck with X factor, even when the Brazan to Aelis switch happened. And I didn't like Brazan, but I loved it by him and I've really enjoyed it by Aelis so far. So please don't let my neutrality intrude here. I'm just going to try try to be a really, I'm going to try to stay neutral, but offer you chance springboards of excitement to talk about the issue, especially for Rhea, since she got so much of what yeah. she wanted. So I think even though Otherworld occupies the most of it, I want to open with the opening scene because it's significant and, and it moves something forward a lot mm. from where we left off last issue, which is Wolfsbane. She's very upset. Nobody yeah. will resurrect or even quite confirm where her son Tyr is. She's yeah. kind of crying herself to sleep on bed because Danny and Moon, Danny and Sean are gone as well. Gone, and yeah. into this scene comes Farouk, the Shadow King. And except for not the Shadow King, it seems like everybody's kind of accepted that he's just Amal Farouk, not necessarily the Shadow King. And they're yeah. in that interacting, which, which we've had some questions about in previous discussions. And he kind of puts an arm around her and he says, you've got some purpose with me. You've got a friend in me. Frio, what did you think about Shadow King just snake in rain in her moment of misery here? Mm-mm, mm-mm. I did not. Like, you know, I was like, I was a still Steve Carroll Jeff was like, nope, did not like that at all. Like, <laughs> you know. But the thing is, like, it makes so much sense in this era of like Krakoa. Like, you know, and the thing is, like, when he showed up and you know, she's like her eyes just opened up, and then there was like it was just and I imagine he has a very deep voice with like a, a little bit of Middle Eastern accent that's what I, that's how I imagined him and then he was just saying all these things like he's like I am doing it as a good thing like <laughs> I am a good I'm good now like 
especially when villains have that conviction, like villains in air quote, because you know everybody's yeah, like what are equal villains? now. Mm, yeah, yeah, what are villains? You know, but the thing is, like you know, she, like he he believes that he's doing something good. He believes that this is the Krakoa. There's a new will of Krakoa. And I thought that the story, it's going to go in like, oh, I hate this Krakoa. But it's like, no, I love this. I am embracing it. I'm giving it to the children. But I'm only one person. I need your help. (gasps) Oh, I mean, and then he's doing it. He's not going and doing it to Danny. He's not doing it to uh, like magic. He's doing it to like more like people who he can easily manipulate. And we have seen rain can be easily manipulated. Yeah, she's not the the mentally strongest of all the. Yeah, yeah, and then. Yeah, she's the, so. I mean, so that's one of the reasons it's just like so scary, and then it just like, I'm like, Ugh, take it away, you know. And all this time we were thinking that he's operating under the shadow, but uh, no, he's out there, you know. And nobody, he's not in check. He just right, doing he's in whatever full he's light. Feel- he he, yeah. he's, you know, he's walking right into their house. He's not working. Right. He now whether or not they acknowledge that he might still be harboring the Shadow King or not is another question entirely. But in terms of just Amul walking around, he clearly is free reign on the island. That- exactly. And then I was like, uh, go away. <laughs> Tyler, what about you? Go what have a psychic dance me? off somewhere else. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, <laughs> I mean, that's that's the thing. I mean, my, my, my first thought is that like th- this is, I mean, this is continuing uh, continuation of the rehabilitation of Farouk, uh, of Farouk, and um, possibly um, separating the influence of um, Shadow King and Farouk, and casting the shadows on some of the younger mutants so basically mm-hmm. shadow king might be say okay you know i i now have an entire island of mutants to influence why do i still need this guy here right mm-hmm. he has been a great host um but you know now we have rain we have um you know we have no girl we have rain boy we have um um Cosmar. Yeah, Cosma. So, like, why not just, you know, start spreading the influence? Because, like, Farouk said, you know, he, 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 um, when, I mean, I don't know if that's what, um, Ayala is playing at, but, um, I thought it's interesting because, um, here he sometimes, um, like, Farouk sometimes refers to himself, uh, as himself, and then sometimes he refers, he say he 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 mentioned that he's a he's a psychic being, so so I think, I mean my read is that there might be just a mixture of like two people speaking here. So um and one part of him is genuinely trying to redeem himself given the chance, and then the other part is still the Shadow King influence. Um you know trying you know still still attached to him and um still trying to spread bad influence hmm. but um i i was kind of creeped out by that it's your it's a, no, it's I'm meant a psychic to be no no yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a psychic so your your problem is my problem like you know like <laughs> yeah. you are your making me out your, your pain. yeah you're bumming me out saying that to rain actually works because she yeah. is very guilt-ridden she is very guilty like you know she's always feels oh. very guilty about her, her like you know about yeah. her wait, just existing wait, wait till you read her first appearances <laughs> oh i don't know i mean to be honest like 
to be honest, she doesn't change X Factor, X Force onwards and yeah. all that. So, you know, <laughs> it, it doesn't make any difference to me at this point. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, saying that to her actually works. And he, he knew the right thing to say. So that's one of the reasons I want to see him speaking to another character one on one and then see how he changes. Then you can mm. tell whether he's actually evil or whether he's mad. Because everything he said to Rain was customized to say to Rain. And yeah. so that's why I'm not buying that he's well, good. True. But, and also the, the, the camera angle that Reese chose to use on some of these scenes is absolutely casting him as the bad person. Like, you know, right. from the Dao up. And then he, he has this mustache here with that, like, smile. And, right. like, and creepy then, smile. And then he's like, hey. Yeah, and then... Like, and then just walked into a woman's house and then just sit down on the bed. Like, it's like, ugh. Yeah. Don't. And then, like, looking, looking at her like that. Over the... Through the shades. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you know, it's interesting. This, this escapes my neutrality a little bit because I think this scene is exactly as long and as punchy as it should be. Mm-hmm. I, when I react really positively to New Mutants, this is what I'm looking for. And, and the thing that really stuck out to me is I think something you both highlighted really well is that... Uh, I don't need Rain to always be perfect. I don't need her to always use good judgment. I don't need her to always win. I need her to act in a way that's consistent with her character that makes me realize the attachment that I've had to her all this time. And, you know, this to me is that. Like, it's painful to watch. Like, you do not want her to walk out the door with him. She should know better. But... It, it, as Freya point out, it's unmistakably Rain. And I think that that's really what I love from this New Mutants title from the beginning to this point, is that the characters really act in a way that's not idealized, that's not there to, like, make all of their number one fans who want them to have feats all the time happy. It's the way to make the people um, happy who really, like, care about them as characters who are fallible. And I think that, that that tends to make me really interested in a comic book. Like, let the characters be fallible. Let them be wrong. Let them have errors. And that's when it's kind of the most engaging engaging to me and it was two, two pages and done and and i don't know that we needed any more i don't know that we would have gotten anything else from this having a third mm-hmm. page or a fourth page i i'm just trying to like you know can't wait for all of this to be collected so that i can read this all in one go oh, especially cool. rains rains like you know um everything that happened to her this reads so well and i wonder like if this was all in one issue all a rain in one issue how we would react hmm. Might like be too what? much, maybe. Yeah, maybe I feel like you know, that would be sack. negative. Yeah, all in, all in one yeah, to, uh, yeah, yeah. So the thing is, the fact that it's separated out, that it just it's paying off. You know, yeah. we talked about like you know, like making women suffer just for the drama of it and stuff like that. But I mean, it doesn't feel like yeah. that at this point, though. It feels right. like an actual arc and not right. just like suffering porn. Right, exactly. So the thing is, like, I feel like there's it's going somewhere that is just not about her child. That mm-hmm. is more about her, maybe. You know, so mm-hmm. I'm excited. Well, now let's come to the huge chunk of the issue, uh, and I'll I I'll try to react last because I really want to be influenced by your reactions here, and and we'll start with Tyler mm. once I get done this whole preamble. So <laughs> we'll be the Shadow you- King. Yeah, you put your arm around me and go, it's okay to feel like that. It's fine to feel like that. Yeah. Uh, so, Dan- Danny and Shan are in Otherworld tracking down this mutant who went through the gate in Avalon Josh. And they, they're they afraid that if he dies in Otherworld, he's never going to come back right. And so, we've seen them kind of hop through several iterations of this. Where we la- last left them, they were in Merlin's prison because they got caught in his 
his part of the, his slice of the pie. Yeah. And so now it's changed is that um, he's let them out. If he sh- They'll steal this thing from Roma. They do minus steal the thing from Roma. It turns out to just be a sentimental thing as Roma tells them with basically just b- bar- <laughs> barely, barely clothed. Uh, she just scene. came out of her orgy, okay? She just yeah, barely, she, like, you know, she she just, yeah, she's just dead. And this eventually yeah. winds up with them, you know, giving the vase back to Merlin, going and finding Josh, and, and learning that it's it's fine for Josh to be in Otherworld. Not every mutant has to play by the Krakoa rules. I'll cut off the recap there, because I think there's one further development at the end of the issue that warrants its own separate talk. So let's just talk about this Otherworld slice. Mm-hmm. Tyler, what was your feeling about this whole adventure in Otherworld. I mean, part part of me was like, um, maybe because um, I just DM my first adventure last weekend uh, for like the first time in like thirty years. So so I kind of <laughs> thanks enjoyed... for the invite, Tyler. Thanks. Yeah, for the so invite. I kind <laughs> you you are not going to enjoy it actually. <laughs> Depending oh, on the ma- for ma- for me to decide. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but you know, anyway. So 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 I kind of enjoyed this whole um, you know magic thing with invisibility potion and 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 the candle of truth. Um, it did it did drag on a little bit. Um, but you know, part of what I enjoy about this whole sequence is um basically just zooming in to each panel and I was like oh okay what what is what is Reese trying to draw here oh what is that tra- what is he trying to do here not every panel works um well if you zoom in but you know like the um the treasure room one I noticed the beauty and the beast uh snow uh rose thing in the corner <laughs> so I thought oh okay that was fun and then um and then the reference that Ayala made um to Indiana Jones uh, when Kama says, "Oh, did I forget a bag of sand?" Because when they took the thing out, <laughs> yeah, you it's supposed to replace by the bag of sand. And um, so, so these are the things which, which, which sort of like really funny and really cool to me. And um, yeah, but um, the payoff here actually was with um, with Josh, because you know, I mean, it, it struck a, a bit of resonance with me. Because um, of the whole um, human passing mutant versus non-human passing mutant um, beat, story beat that was being done here. I know Fariha probably had a lot to say, but um, um, I'm just going to say that why it struck a really um, strong resonance with me was because um, when I was in Singapore, because of the size of the country, and because I wasn't out to my parents, um, oftentimes I cannot be myself. 100%. Like, I'm still me, maybe, you know, 80%, and then the last 20%, I have to sort of, like, contain it. Um, so coming to New York um, to do my postgrad and then started to work here and live here, I could be myself 100%. You know, I mean, I'm still me, but that last 20% um, that I used to contain it um, pretty securely, um, I freed it. So, I mean, I no longer have to be just 80% me. I could be 100% me. And that um, changes how I look at things, changes how I react to things, and changes my relationship with people whom, you know, my classmates were like, oh, 
you know, so do you have a girlfriend? I said, no, I'm gay. I was like, oh, okay, do you have a boyfriend? Like, without skipping a beat, there was no judgment, there was no shock, and, you know, it's just like, oh, it's just, it's just something. I don't care whether you like guys or girls or both, you know. I mean, this is your life. Do whatever you want with it. And that, that sense of freedom and the sense of, um, um, acceptance is really, really, um, uh, it's really good for me because then I, I also learned to love myself, you know, completely. And here, um, that story beat with Josh, you know, had a similar, um, beat to this. And that's why I feel um, you know, th- there's such a strong resonance to, um, you know, for me with respect to that. Mm. Freya, what do you have to say about all that and all of other world? <laughs> so I actually really enjoyed the other world thing. It's only because I'm like, okay, Exoswords is now making sense. Why did we spend so much time on it? Because we were because it was explained so well, because we understood the dynamics so well, as soon as it's like, oh yeah, you have to sign the thumb here, I'm like, it makes sense because they're going from uh, like a pain world to a world which is a pleasure, which is all about pleasure. I'm like, it also makes sense why she showed up wearing almost nothing because she just came, walked out of an orgy, you know. Um, <laughs> one of the things I was uh, like, I really enjoyed the, like the, it's like kind of fantasy thing and there's all these different elements and stuff like that. Um, one thing I would say, though, this is the second time I saw Danny making a making a deal with a goddess type figure that you will show up at any time I call you. And I'm it's like, one Danny, of Danny's girl. character's flaws. She loves <laughs> yeah. she loves responsibility. She loves saying like, yes, of course, I'll be there. I yes. mean, she does it all yeah. the time. Yeah, and then you know, this day, like you know, the uh, the Roma was calling her the pretty girl the whole time, and the, the way the face was, I'm like, well, what are you gonna call me for? Like, you know, Daddy should have asked that question because it doesn't seem like she's gonna call her for a mission. It's gonna be for a different thing. <laughs> it just both of them. She's gonna call. I, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I know Karma would be happy, but you know, it's just like <laughs> you know, it's just like okay, what are you gonna call me for? But second time, that made me laugh. Um, and then the thing is about the you know uh, what. Tyler was talking about that Josh finding out who he is and then you know the human passing thing I was like like you know like it was so delicious like the every all of it was so delicious and especially because the three step for him so obviously when he came out like you know when he became he, he was saying that oh my family is like a liberal but as long as it's not happening here as long us, as it's not in our house yeah. He's not in our house. Like, I mean, we know so many of those, of those people, right? And then the thing is, like, it's it's that. So, but then, so there was, like, one layer for him that he thought that, okay, when I come to Krakoa, it's going to be different. It wasn't 100% different. And then, finally, when he went to the other world, no one even looks at him unless he says hi to people. That's when people are like, oh, what are you doing? Just stop doing that. And he's willing to risk his... Um, his immortality. Um, immortality to, to get that. And the thing is, we talked about in Way of X where there's other new mutants or young mutants who are like, let's take, put, put one in my face. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come back. Like, you know, just, just get, get one in my head. Like, you know, just put, shoot, shoot me in the head. And 
I was thinking about like I'm still looking for that other world, my other world, because when I was in Bangladesh, I was pretty much operating at a 30% level, right? And then when I came to America, I feel like I'm somewhere at 70% level. I'm still not that 100%. I'm still reaching that high where I can be who I want to be and how I want to be. And then I don't, I'm not reminded every day that, oh, you are owner of two breasts and a vagina. Like, you know, it just, it just, it, it, it just like, so I'm still reaching that high. So the thing is to me, I was like, when reading that, it just made me a little bit misty eyed. It really did. Like I was like, wow, here's this character willing to give up immortality yeah. just to feel himself. Yeah, and because... Because of that line that I read was like, you know, but for the first time since then, I'm living. Mm -hmm. And that touched me. Yeah. Like, I mean, it was like, it was just like, and then he was, he was living like he was, he was eating out of dumpster. Yeah. Like, like, I when mean, he was uh, like living in the woods, like he was like, yeah. And then, then he came to, yeah. And then he went to a place where it's like bagels on a tree and still it yeah. wasn't enough for him. Like, you know, I think, I mean, that's one of the things. And I was actually kind of thinking. Well, I, like, I feel like it's not, it's not that it wasn't enough. It wasn't right for him. Right, right, right. He, does, that, he, he couldn't me. live by him. He couldn't live his 100% until he goes, he went to into other world. And then he could be 100% himself because, right. you know, no one is paying attention to him, which is what he likes. He's just being him. Exactly. I mean, and I, I can't, I mean, I can't wait to... I feel like it, the only way I'm going to get there when I'm 60, because people don't look at old women, you know, and that's when I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, you know, I can I can tell weird things that whip, young whippersnappers on the street. And then I mean, and you know, just disappear know. into the crowd. Yeah, disappear into the crowd. Maybe that's when. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just I got a little bit of misty eyed at that. The, I, I love the way that you framed it. And I think it really I mean, I liked this Josh part all along. And I think that that hearing you both talk about it that way gives it so much more dimension. The one dimension of it that I really got that is connected, I think, to some of that is generational change and not generational mm -hmm. change between parents and kids. That Because parents and kids are actually separated by several, you know, generations, right? Like, my child is, like, four generations of, of you know, like, exennial, millennial, yeah. you know, um, after me. But but even the subtle differences between those two, you know, between people who are born in one decade and the next. Because you have Shan and Danny here, not adults, but who are basically, like, based on the difficulties we've faced in our life, based on the challenges that we've had in our life, we think that the best thing would be to be on Krakoa and not have to fear death because based on how we grew up based on the bigotry that we faced not fearing death is the panacea to all of that and you have josh who's only a little bit younger than them being like that's not enough for me i'm not happy being 80 percent just so i cannot fear death i need so i would rather fear death and be 100 percent. and it's like those two opinions don't have to ever be compatible with each other they're each the truth of what those people generationally need because of the challenges that they experience and it made me just reflect on my family and you know my grandparents grew up in the great depression i think you know i have stories about my grandmother like living off of fruit she picked off the side of the road because they had no money at all you know and my my parents you know being italians in philadelphia when italians were discriminated against and couldn't even get jobs. My dad has stories about that. And then my stories are different. And then my kids' stories are going to be different too because she's growing up in New Zealand. I've 
created that, you know, for her. Um, a lot of the things that I prioritize in life are not going to be the things she prioritizes. And it's the same with me and my parents and them with their parents and, and so on. And again, parents don't have all those individual slices between. So it's even like me giving advice now to like a 20 year old. Like my advice has no bearing on a 20 year old. They want totally different things than me. So I just thought that this was like a really nice, subtle version of, of that. And I think, um, and I think a lot of the things you're both talking about kind of also reflect that people that were a generation earlier than you with similar identities, similar challenges than you would maybe be happy at 75% or 80% because they got some other form of safety or some yeah. other form of fulfillment. And somebody who's 10 or 20 years younger than either of you with the same identities or similar identities to you might actually be asking for something much more. And I just thought that was yeah. really fascinating. Here's my complaint though. Did we need to go to Jamie, to Merlin, to Roma to get to here? And to get to the revelation that Sean has as a result, I don't know. I feel like a lot of those scenes here were kind of empty calories. What happened with the magic potion? Where were they fighting? Who were they fighting? I don't really know. What? What? Why did we need so many pages of Roma talking to them? What transpired there? I don't really know. So I just, I just really feel like for every really dense scene, which Ayla does really well, like this Josh scene, there were also some pages where I was just like, what is even happening on this page? Um, and, and that's where my frustration comes from. But, but hearing how this landed so well for all three of us in such distinct ways makes me actually kind of look a little bit past neutral and upwards mm -hmm. on this issue because clearly it got somewhere good. Just because an issue has four boring pages doesn't mean the issue didn't get you somewhere that's powerful. I thought that all the things that w that was going on with Roma and everything that yeah. it would probably get paid off when Roma calls them back. Oh, like, I'm sure. Well, you know, it just it, felt kind of you know, beige. Yeah, I mean, there was yeah. also the bit. I think um, they, um, Ayala was like seeding the um, the rabbit thing as well. Right, which we will get um, to yeah, in just a moment. Well, before we get to that final revelation about the rabbit and about mm -hmm. Sean, we have to stop at one other plot briefly, and I'll turn the floor over to the two of you. I don't have strong opinions on it. Anol and some of the other kids who were influenced by Amul are still trying their consciousness swapping, and they really want to learn to better control other bodies or other things. They're trying to swap into a flower at this point. And so they come up with the bright idea that why not go to X-Factor's body farm to get an already deceased mutant to try to inhabit a dead body with their consciousness? I guess because the, the resurrection process is under such lock and key that they can't just steal a husk from the five. I don't know. And they decide to go to Scout to talk about this, or as we will call her, Honey Badger. And yeah. uh, Scout is like, the, what are you even doing? Like, she, she, she really speaks the absurdity of it back to them. Yeah. So uh, what did you think about this development of these youths that are, are pushing for more um, ability to control and more ability to feel something other than what they feel themselves in their own bodies? I mean, it boils back down to the same issue that we have been talking about. And, and, and Way of X have, have pointed out, like, you know, clearly they need a structure for these kids. Otherwise, they're just going to run off and do things, silly things, even dangerous and, you know, stupid things like that. Um, and look, clearly having a resurrection protocol is not helping a lot of people because these kids couldn't have to figure out a way to make use of, like, dead bodies instead of, you know, having the husk to use. And then... Cable has to um, think about smoking and knocking out Professor X to steal the cerebral helmet in order to resurrect someone. So, so clearly having a resurrection protocol is not going to solve all the problems. Mm. And 
I mean, you know, and it's, it's, it's kind of like pointing out very clearly what is wrong with Krakoa. Um, Cable's problem pales in comparison with what these kids are going through. I just wanted to bring that yeah. out there. No, for sure. <laughs> Put for that sure. out there. <laughs> I, I'm just kidding. Like, but the thing is, like, it's, it's, like you know, we, t- well, I think I talked about it in the, in the comment section uh, last time, is that... Um, in way of X, it's like resurrection protocol, I'm sorry, the crucible works for some people, some mm-hmm. people who are actually willing to fight and everything, but it doesn't work for a lot of other ones. And something that Tyler has been mentioning that, okay, Mal has got a body back. Noble must have some thoughts about that. And that's the thing is happening. There's like all these, like, because, and I keep on saying, put these kids in school. Let's put them in school. Let's bring yeah. Peter Parker back. Let's bring, bring Kamala Khan. She's not doing much these days. Bring them all as teacher and then teach them. I don't know. Put them, keep them busy because now we have one just outright stayed up and left. One of them took a bullet to their head. One of them is like, you know, stealing. I'm going to put Cable in like New Mutants. Fine. And, you know, he's, he's, he's stealing uh, from the head. Uh, and then, then these kids are willing to put themselves in dead bodies. Like, yeah. like how gross and disgusting is that? And then it, and they're saying it as if this is the most normal thing in the world. Like, Hey, I need your help to kind of get them. And then, you know, and then I actually extremely love the word, the way them has been like, you know, put in like a, a bold twice, like, you know, like, so Enel, um, Enel says them. So obviously he means the older mutants or the, like the councils and then, oh, they don't care about us. And, so, and also another thing is like, there's a division that's happening between the youths and the old generation who are, you know, who are controlling everything. And then Scout also uses the word them with a bold and she's also talking about another group like you know i think she's talking about humans or whoever made them to feel like they are less than and that conversation was like extremely you know very like punched like you know it, it really like had a lot and then also laura's not back yet so no. she's so in a disarray before yeah yeah, be, be, yeah and, but the thing is that the fact that she has no wish to clean their room that's saying something that is I actually, mean, she's she's kind of like depressed. Yeah, like that's what I'm saying. She's a, yeah. she's this little girl who is like probably what nine or ten, and she's yeah. like she's Lost. she's not cleaning. She's not cleaning her house. Like you know that she's not. She has no. She's like I'll, I'll get to it. You know. And then you know then her friend just walk around and is like oh you're human passing and it's like you don't you don't know her experience yeah. how she she's feeling about all of this. I mean I don't know the whole thing. I just love that. These little moments were just packed in like these two scenes, so it's just I, I was I was blown away. And anytime, but then, then, then again, anytime you put honey badgers, five out of five. And Jonathan. And Jonathan. I, mean, I, I don't know if it is a yellow script or it is Riz's um, own um, you know drawing, but I love how Jonathan's uh, um, facial expression and reaction sort of mirrored honey badgers. Like he, oh, yes. he went, he went from like suspicious 
to like uh-huh. angry and then at the end when Eno left he's he's like looking at uh honey badger lovingly he's like oh don't be oh, sad gonna, yeah don't be sad well, and then he actually that's his characteristics anyway like you know from before like he's always kind of following honey badger's uh, expression yeah. and stuff so i'm like you know at least there is honey badger but i'm like oh where's Dakin? like you know where's like why Dakin hasn't told him that come to stay with us in the bone yard laura's gone. because uh, because he's with aurora yeah he's busy oh, following aurora <laughs> yeah like, that's the, true <laughs> That's true, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just like it's like I, I'm, I'm concerned for Honey Badger. Well, mm-hmm. Laura's back, so yeah. Well, but we she's get one X Men now. Yeah, but that might mean that Honey Badger starts popping up in X Men. Who knows, right? Mm. So oh, we true. get we get one last scene here, and it's a pretty important one. And it's I really think Ayla did a, a pretty clever thing here, which is that there's been this white rabbit that's clearly a manifestation of Danny's powers that they've been following, and we all are like. Tee-hee-hee, White Rabbit, Alice in Wonderland, etc. Mm-hmm. But Danny's power is such that she manifests what people want to see the most. And we kind of just assumed it's because they wanted a guide, and so she would manifest a guide. But, like, that's not quite how her power uh-huh, usually gets interpreted. Yeah. And so here we have this final revelation where Sean is saying, wow, you know what? I, I think actually that brother represents my the rabbit represents my brother's consciousness, which I've absorbed a very long time ago because it represents a shared love of fairy tales that we had. And she wants to go through the crucible, not because of her leg, which many X-Men fans would have been like, oh, doesn't she want to have a, a, a you know, biological leg back instead of that, uh, you know, cyborg leg that she's got, but because she feels like perhaps she is two people in one brain right now. And if she were to go through the crucible and be reincarnated, that her brother would get to go back to his own body in a very similar way to how Malice got her own body back and Excalibur. Uh, Tyler, you have experience with these older stories and, and know about her brother. And uh, Freya, you've read a little bit about Sean more recently in your read of Astonishing X-Men. So Tyler, and then Freya, what did you think about this kind of shocking last minute turn of events? I mean, it was, it is really, um, like you said, it's, it's shocking. And it is also, like you said, it's clever. It's like, very clever. Yeah, I mean, it is, it tracks, right? Because I think the very first, uh, I think Shan's very first appearance was when she um, absorbed her brother into her. Um, and then um, that his brother came back a little bit later on in the very most recent uh, Dead Souls, New Mutants Dead Souls series. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think those were like the two... Um, real real tran uh, appearances right because in between um i know shan has always mentioned him um but he 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 did not surface he did not manifest as a as as a real person or as a consciousness inside her so um yeah i mean this is kind of a deep cut and um and very very clever and then asking danny now to become you know to be the one that kills her um then you know that will you know create um what do you call um uh, create the conflict um on Cosma's side because Cosma also asked Danny to be you know to be to to, to be her opponent in, in Crucible but you know It's Danny's not really like, meant for either of them yeah, in a way. Yeah. Yeah. So like yeah, the current Crucible does not really allow these things this i mean this two situation so so i'm i'm interested to see what danny says Freya, what about you i mean i actually when i saw her and because i read new astonishing new mutant um astonishing x-men i was like where's her 
human brothers and sisters. Where are they? Oh, the little ones. The little ones. Yeah. 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 Like, you know, they, I'm like, where are they? And then the thing is like, it, um, like she does not have very good record in the sibling department. So, <laughs> so I was like, okay. And she does talk about Tran a lot. So I think it's, for me, it's more interesting to see that, okay, where does that go? Because that's something that happened so long ago and she, she's just been holding on to it and just carrying this. I like, it would be kind of good to see a end of that. Like, mm. however formed that is, you know. And mm. I also thought the same thing um, about, like, you know, Danny, like, being asked, you know, first of all, I think Danny's going to be like, why is everyone asking me? And then second thing, Cosmer's like, wait, you went for her? Like, not understanding what they have gone through, how yeah. the, their history and everything. And also, another example of Crucible's not the place for this. Because if she is walking around with two mutants in her head and given that their whole thing is make more mutant, they should separate them straight away because that's like one free mutant just there. <laughs> yeah, like it's just a one, you get, you get two for one, <laughs> you know, just get, get that. Uh, one. But I don't want to also leave without talking about the data page though. Okay. Our, our James yeah. Proudstar uh, journaling page. page. Yeah. Yeah, James Proudstar journaling page. Because the thing is, we were talking about like you know how stories and using a good usage of data page. There is so like this use the data page so well to talk about um, other stories. What's other yeah, other stories like that are happening. Yes. And Bay. Yeah. <laughs> so yes. And that blew me away because it's like, oh, oh, my, like, you know, there's like, like, uh, Warlock is following everyone. Like, he's yeah. trying to find a new host. That yeah. is scary. Okay. New, if, new best friend. New best friend. <laughs> like, yeah, new best friend or host, however way he says it. Or like, you know, uh, how does he say it? Friend? friend Self-friend. Then, Self-friend. Yeah, Self-friend. Self-friend. And then he's actually following, like, you know, trying to get, like, like what you call it? Um, take imitate others and stuff like that i'm like huh and then and it, it was a good use of a story page, like you know um a data, data page, page to to tell that instead of kind of creating another other you know other things and stuff like that uh but the one that made me laugh in a very sad way because it was very sad that you know that pra- uh james uh he says that when wolverine when i uh, Wolverine once told me that of all the people who threw him in fastball special, I was the most mindful of his body and that I could toss him anytime. It's so, it's funny, but also so sad. The whole, the whole Warpuff and Wolverine tossing together comment just made me laugh. I mean, because the thing is, like, Wolverine always talks about how people don't understand that because he can heal, that he still feels pain. That is mm-hmm. one of his running run, running thing. So the yeah. fact that he actually said that, and he's so gruff, he wouldn't say this thing. It just, like, made it all so sad. And I actually wanted to go back in the X-Force. I'm like, oh, did they ever do that in, in when they were in X-Force together? I don't, I, I think there was. Such a bad thing I think they was, did. Yeah. A fastball it, special. But, yeah, um, but it yeah. was just so sad. Well, the other thing also is that I think um, through just this data page, mm-hmm. Ayala basically pinpoints the um, characteristics of Warpath. So basically, you know, Warpath is someone who acts and, and, and being stuck on Krakoa, not being able to confront anything and just, you know, observes and, and teach things sort of frustrates him. And, and, and this, this is pretty, um, thoughtful description of Warpath. 
and th- and and the fact that he's aware of it also shows that he's growing, because like if you're not aware of it, you you're like oh you know I'm just I'm just angry all the time without being self aware of like why I'm angry. Here he's actually pretty, you know, Warpath is actually pretty um, thoughtful about um, what's happening. And I think like his brother is also someone like he's he's not going to try to bring his brother back because debt means completely different to them. Mm-hmm. Like you know, so I fe- I have a feeling that he's also very frustrated about that too. That um, mutants now can come back, but he's so scared to bring his brother back because he has no idea how he's going to react. And there was like a whole story about that in like you know in Necrosha and all of that that they had gone through. So I think like he's his frustration is also manifesting in that too that he cannot be together with his family because of how he he and his culture sees death. Look at you just bring all the deep cuts into our discussion now. <laughs> I think all of that goes to show that uh, even if I, only one-third of the panel, was a little bit soft on this issue and two-thirds of us were pretty uh, pretty excited about it, there's so much to come in this title. Like, I'm fascinated to see what the next steps of all these plots are. I'm fascinated to see how this interacts with the gala. There are There's just a series of unexploded bombs waiting yeah. for pretty much every member of this cast, and it's definitely a, a book that I feel like has the most forward momentum out of the line right now, yeah. which is really exciting to me. Because, like, th- it's going to take many issues to get to all these things, and I'm ready to buy and read them. So and, that and, and oh. Jamie creating random stuff like Jamie is creating Avalon gates in Otherworld right now, <laughs> basically. Oh, so yeah. it's like it's, it's like a lot of things is happening here. I mean, and I mean, I, I just think it's like really interesting. X Men Legends number three, Tyler. What was your initial reaction? And then after we get initial reactions out, we'll sell it or not sell it to Faria. I mean this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the Simonsons did not miss a bit. Like, I mean, this this is set like in an era, what, 30 years ago? Um, 20 years ago? 89, not, yeah. 88, yeah. 89, yeah. So it's like 30 years ago. And, and this could really be an issue that was like published right after where it's supposed to be published. The art looks actually, the art actually looks much tighter because um, Walt Simonson is um, inking himself here. Um, and I don't know. I mean, it feels like I'm reading an issue that, <laughs> that, that you know, uh, it feels like I'm just re- reading a past issue here. I, oh, wow. We, we get to be totally dissenters on the panel today. This is fun. <laughs> because I am... Um, I think that the Simonsons haven't missed a beat on X-Factor, but it made me more nostalgic for this X-Factor period than I think Mm. that this issue had any worth necessarily. I think that they're trying to blend things that worked at the time, which was the way that the story beats work, and then this modern need to like have every page be a big splash page and have less words in the page, and it just doesn't come together for me when i i'm actually in the middle of this era right now i think i just read Mm. x factor 33 like yesterday and the thing that i love about when they work together is the panel efficiency i love the way they use panels the way they use page turns for jokes the way that they make sure each character has like a real moment when they're revealing or talking to something about each other and still fit in action and i have a lot of affinity for that and i think this just totally missed the mark because of how much they've modernized the script they should have just wrote it and executed it the way that they would have done it literally then I think modern readers would have forgiven it because it would have been a better issue 
Well, this was done in the classic um, Marvel way. So basically, they had a plot. Watt drew it, and then Weezy came back and filled in the script. I which believe is, that's which is definitely Walt's style now. If you've yeah. read things like his Ragnarok, like he yeah. just draws bigger, bolder panels now, and I think he revels in the amount of detail that he can get. Mm. He's always been a very detailed artist, but like he can just do so much more in a wider panel, and I, I feel like he rightfully likes that. But to me, it's missing that thing that made X Factor X Factor. Got it. So Tyler. Would you tell Faria, who has never read classic X Factor, that this is worth reading? Um, my answer would be no, <laughs> because of the fact that it spoils quite a bit of things mm. that came before it, mm. and um, you know, I mean, reading this in isolation, I would, you know, I think Faria would be like. Uh, why? <laughs> What's okay. this? And okay. and then the other thing um, that sort of um, kind of not really my the way I like it is how Jean's butt is always like jutting out. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's the only two things which I think um, Fariha will be like oh, no. Mm. I mean, I do want to read uh, the Simonson's no. X Factor. Yes, when read X Factor up to forty three, then mm-hmm. jump into this if you want to, and then continue. Mm-hmm. That okay. works. But well, reading this in isolation, I don't think so. And I'd go one further for people who are listening because a lot of people haven't read the classic X Factor other than Follow the Mutants because it hadn't been really well collected before the Epic yeah. collections. Uh, although it's in some of the big X Men hardcovers, but it was quite scant on its own unless you had an Essentials. But here's the thing this pretty much directly follows Inferno. It's like one issue after, or two issues yeah. after the close of Inferno. So if you've mm-hmm. read Inferno and you know that material well, then you probably can just read this because this yes. X Factor status quo follows that exactly. But I would say that I, ha- I know some people are down on x-factor the original x-factor and it doesn't stand up to the claremont stuff of that period which people love to say screw that i think that x-factor from like 8 to 30 is actually just as good if not at points better than claremont's uh uncanny x-men and claremont and simonson's new mutants it's a great book it has great relationships it's got a great supporting cast it's really good so if anything i would say if you do happen to read this and you're like what's going on here who are these people i don't know go read it it's all in marvel unlimited now it's all in epic collections now and it's really good i'm here in the modern day to tell you it more than holds up i think it's actually better than we thought it was at Mm. the time well, not everything is is on MU yet, especially the latter half. So, yeah, after this point, then it gets real yeah. scarce because that's never been yeah. collected in color before. And usually, exactly. when things get collected in color, that's when then they, go they on get digitized. Yeah, Freya, based on what we've just told you, what is your interest level right now? Well, I have even before we have this discussion, I've always been kind of interested into knowing the creator of Nanny. What else <laughs> she have done? Like, you know, because, and then also she's the creator of Cable, which people don't often give her enough credit for. No, they don't. Um, yeah. And I, I, like I said, I met, uh, met Louis Simonson and I was, because of where I was in my comic reading, I'm like, why are people getting his wife to sign the books? Now I'm like absolutely <laughs> like horrified that I even had that thought. But, you know, so I've always been excited about reading her books and everything. So I'm, I'm, I'm game to read that. And I think I've like from what Tyler and 
you know, to, to an extent use that Peter that it would read much better if I'm just doing it in continuation or maybe even come back to it after, like, you know, mm-hmm. so yeah, I'm going to be, but before we go, I do want to say that Ragnarok by Walt Simonson is old man Thor. He thinks that we haven't noticed it. We totally did. Oh, totally it is. Did. It is absolutely old man Thor. Like if you it's old man old, Logan and old man a, Hawkeye and you want old a, man Thor, go by Ragnarok. Yeah, it's like, exactly. I was like, ah, sir, what are you doing? So, I, by the Thor way, I is public to, I, domain, baby. Anybody I know. Can, <laughs> I know. But the thing is, like, his Thor is not different than his Marvel Thor. So yeah. it's like, yes. Yeah, I mean, no, he, 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 has a, he has a right to do it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and IGW no. is going to publish it. So that's yeah. great. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the thing is, the thing is this. I, I brought... I brought the um, Mutant Massacre um, hardcover at that time. It wasn't it, it wasn't that oversized omnibus. Just the, the original very, hardcover. Yeah, yeah, the very first time I met Walt Simonson, and he was sketching in every book because the con was kind of a small con. Mm. And I said, "Oh, any of the X Factor members," and he signed his signature that dinosaur signature. Yeah, and he drew Cyclops around it. I was like, oh, so cool. That is very cool. Yeah. For free. I have to say also, like, reading, they did a great interview, I think, with um, Adventures in Poor Taste for X-Men Monday or something like that. Mm -hmm. They, like, get it. You know, you have some older creators who are, like, surly about their creations or, like, Mm -hmm. I'm not really, you know, Claremont, bless him. He can can think whatever he wants to think. He's like, I'm not reading the current comics. Whereas, like, Simonson, as they're telling them things that have happened with their characters, like, how nanny's a thing now, Louis Simonson's like, how cool! (laughs) Like, their reaction is just, like, it's, like, improv. It's yes and. They're like, that's the whole reason we create in this universe to begin with and it's just so yeah. refreshing to see the two of them talk about it and be positive and be exciting and again I come back to the same reaction I had to the first two X-Men Legends is like I, I just wish this actually did play with the current continuity a little bit more and it feels like it maybe is supposed to because the yeah. whole thing is about the origins of ship which is X-Factor ship at the time which previously was Apocalypse of ship but will turn into being Cable ship um, which is Professor and all that which just got referenced this week in Cable so it yeah. kind of like has the same feeling like maybe the editors knew that that was going to happen and they asked if the Simonsons wanted to do something about the ship I don't know how it lines up but I think especially when you have two people who are like game to play in the current um, mm-hmm. continuity which I think we could say the same for Fabian Nicesa on the first two X-Men Legends like he's game man he just wrote Juggernaut he's in on this Krakoa yeah. stuff like l- let it have some ticklers that we're going to pick up on that'll make it even more exciting like would mm-hmm. I love to read a Louis Simonson current Krakoa issue to <gasps> maybe a, a fill-in on New Mutants oh hell yes Hell yes, then, where do I send my money? And then also with like lipstick granny because <gasps> she was fascinated by that. She was yeah. fascinated by the nanny has lipstick. Like, you know, she was like, oh no. <laughs> like, you know. So yes, um, also do follow follow them on official Walt Simonson's page. Even though it's uh, Walt Simonson, they, he talks about with, like Louis all the time. So it's, it's very wholesome. It's super Aww. wholesome. Unlike Daddy Claremont. Yeah, Daddy Claremont, a little bit different. Uh, and, I'll, and, and since Zach isn't here to do it, I have to also put in a plug. If you like Louise Simonson, her run on Power Pack from oh, the pack. 80s is just so charming. There's a second omnibus of it uh, solicited, so grab the first one now while you can. 
utterly, utterly charming. If you like kid comic stuff, it's, it's kids in the Marvel continuity instead of kids in their own like separate pocket thing, which is part of what makes it so satisfying. Except for that issue of Uncanny X-Men that they collected with Power Pack. Oh, which is terrifying. Why would you put that in a power pack? <laughs> I had that reaction because I, I had to heavily edit that when we read that as a family. And then I opened the Power Pack album and I'm like, oh, why would you put that in there? It's like one of the creepiest issues of Uncanny X-Men which? under Claremont. Oh, which man. one? Which issue uh, number? 205, right? Yeah. Oh, I which is remember. funny because Omar it's, it's loves that issue. Every yeah, time it comes Barry up, Wister he's Smith. like, oh, that's the best one. Oh, okay. It's a Barry Winsor Smith issue, so. Yeah. yeah. It's Barry Winsor Smith drawing Wolverine's first face-off with Lady Deathstrike as she's, Deathstrike, like, yeah. hunting him through New York City. And he's, like, Why near death. It? And the littlest power pack yeah. girl, Katie, um, yeah. comes and, like, rescues him as Deathstrike is, like, cutting him up into ribbons. And it's just, like, in between these two jaunty Louise Simonson power pack issues. <laughs> <laughs> it's really... But hey, it's, like, in continuity. It is. It totally is. is. It just yeah. doesn't that... fit tonally yeah. at all. I want a issue. I want a, pay, a collected edition of all the time Wolverine was saved by little girls. Oh, like, a lot there of is like, Yes, and I want a collected editions of that. Give me that epic. I'll buy like my first one of those epic, Marvel first book. Little, yeah, little I'll, I'll buy Wolverine, those. Wolverine, Volume One. <laughs> yes, like you know, it's just so <laughs> many. So Julie, Julie Power, yeah. uh, Kamala Khan. Kamala Khan. Miss Marvel. Like, it's yeah. like, it's like so many times it yeah. happened. That no, definitely. That is Jessica just, yeah. Well, she's not a little girl, though. Uh, yeah. yeah. All right, y'all. But yeah, well, it, young, it happened young so Storm, many times. Young Storm, maybe? No, young maybe Storm, not. yeah. No, 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 they did not. They did not. No, they did Because didn't. Young okay. Storm was with Gambit, and then they all, all came back to the mansion. Yeah. It, yeah he was with, but, like, Jubilee, basically. Yeah. Well, anyway. kids. We've gone far afield from our discussion of X-Men <laughs> Legends number three. But I think, I think the bottom line here is like, this holds a lot of fun in it that's not just nostalgia fun. And mm-hmm. you may or may not buy it as a modern day reader, but um, buy it, I mean like get it, like it, love it. But uh, it's not bad by any stretch of the imagination, at least our imaginations here on the top row of the, of the video chat here. That's been our discussion of the... X issues that are in continuity this week. There is a non-continuity X-Men issue. It's free, even on Comixology, mm-hmm. which is a uh, Hellfire Gala art book guide. I, what guide. is it officially called? Guide? Guide. And guide. It, has, it has the looks of almost all of the cast members of almost all of the books. We, um, we're we not ready to red carpet all of that yet. We, we're, we're, we, oh, we gotta I'm get ready. Our I, I'm, I'm ready to wrap my arms around my Russian <laughs> hunk of metal. <laughs> I'm here to challenge you for that. I'll crucible. You know uh, what? Meet me in the crucible. I'll take so you down. I'll put you in the back okay. of the resurrection protocol. Okay. I mean, apparently we're uh, here to talk I, about one look in specific, I, which is I, the I look wait. setting the internet on fire right now, I have to admit, <laughs> which is Colossus's Russian zaddy look. I mean, he's my favorite character now. I mean, who is Colossus? I mean, he's my favorite character. He's been my favorite character all this time. Forget Magneto. Forget everyone else. You know, he's my favorite character now. Hey, I, it's so hot in I here. Waited, oh my God. I waited in line for 30 minutes to get D-Clan to sketch a bearded Colossus. Okay, you NYC. win this one. But yeah. I'm still going to see you in Crucible. Yeah. <laughs> I think part of the fun of, of that particular look is that it's this very kind of like Russian oligarch-influenced yeah, look with all the furs and stuff. And it's so um, weirdly out of place because he's in his metal form. So, like, why would you be wearing all these <laughs> yeah. warm clothes? Although his metal form gets cold, but he doesn't feel it. Like, he doesn't yeah. feel when he gets he really hot either. Yeah. Uh, and so it just I think that it's that juxtaposition that makes it really entertaining, that and, and other 
parts of it uh, <laughs> because he because he really uh, it just is funny to think about and it's like jarring to be like why is this giant colossus in like furs and this cloak and then with his chest exposed it's you know exposed, down to the, and then, yeah and then the hair slick like to one side the, <laughs> the thing is though it or the in the in the gala guide it also says that the cape is supposed to be removed like it's it's that's how it's created that the cape can be removed and stuff but the thing is like knowing what we know about colossus can you ever imagine dressing up like that to me like that who was dressed like, him somebody else yeah. dressed him i mean jumbo carnation ostensibly but right but he's not oof. coming up with that idea on his own yeah, oof. And then he, he went a little bit too deep about his Russian he heritage did. and pie, yeah. pride. And I'm like, mm, I don't know about this. Yeah. I mean, the... Well, I mean, even Phil Jimenez was, like, drooling for <laughs> on his Twitter. Because, like, Phil Jimenez basically retweets someone with that page. And, yeah, like, yeah, with yeah. Three, three drooling emoji. <laughs> <laughs> Proving once again we that X Men fandom is a horny, horny <laughs> fandom. Uh, <laughs> Colossus in the Hellfire Gala Guide. So as the Hellfire Gala gets closer, I'm sure we will have more to say about yeah. the many, many looks, not just of Colossus, but I, apparently that one couldn't escape untouched. <laughs> so that's it for our discussion of this week and X this week. Uh, and uh, there's some interesting stuff coming up next week. What mm. does next week have in store for us? I think the uh, Hellions 11, and we always love a Hellions <gasps> issue, yeah. Marauders, and also there's been a series of one-shot called uh, Curse of the Man-Thing that has yeah. been running. It's by Steve Orlando, and even in the first one, which was not X-Men, it was uh, Avengers was the first yeah. one, it had the horticulture ladies in yeah. it, so it's got a connection to X-Men, and the X-Men one is the third of the one-shots, and that comes out next week. Whether we're going to read all three of the one-shots or just that mm. one we haven't figured that out yet but it is coming out next week and so we have plenty upcoming to talk about and hopefully we'll be rejoined next week by our erstwhile member harry he must have got held up at his fitting at jumbo carnation clearly he doesn't have the pull that cyclops does to have jumbo carnation come to his actual apartment he has has to to wait like wait two hours in line to get into his shop to get (laughs) the fitting (laughs) yeah uh and fria you know why do we even get together and do all this every week x-men is better when it's read together That's right. So we hope that you're enjoying having somebody to read it together in us, because we certainly not only enjoy getting together, those of us here on the call, but also getting together and be in dialogue with you. Please, if you've had some thoughts in response to this, please go ahead and share them with us. And until we get to talk to you again, on behalf of myself, of Tyler, and Freya, and Harry, who is not present today, this has been This Week in X, and we wish you well until we see you again. Bye. Bye.